Oh yeah, he's back. It's me, Trent McClellan, with the Generators Podcast here on the Comedy Here Often Podcast Network. Cue the music. No? Okay, fine. Um, What's going on, people? Did you miss me on that week off? I had to shut it down for a little bit, take a little bit of a break. You know, ever been there? A lot going on in life. Uh, doing the show, 22 minutes, the podcast. I was like, I need, I just need a week off. I just need to shut it D for a bit, you know? So that's what I did. <clears throat> and now I've come back all refreshed with a brand new piping hot episode of TGP for you. Huh? You happy about that? Of course you are. I can see the smile on your face. I can feel the smile on your face. I truly, truly can. Uh, I hope you're good. I hope things are well with you. As we get through this uh, 2021 here now, we're halfway through February already. Just like that. Month and a half. Bam. Done already for 21. I don't even. Part of me almost feels like I don't even remember the last 12 months. Like it's almost like you skipped a year of your life. That's how messed up this last year has been. The last 12 months. Because this is. Pretty much we're getting up to about a year, I guess, of when the world changed and we all started wearing masks and everything shut down. We're pretty much approaching the year of that here in Canada. So it's it's amazing to know and to just realize how much life has gone on and uh, how much things have changed, but how quickly we've adapted to it and how it's become normal, you know. So, um, yeah, and now I'm thinking about spring and summer and what does that look like? Who knows? Who knows? And I said this the other day, and it's true. I feel like the last 12 months has been just as unpredictable as the speed, pressure, and direction of hand sanitizer coming out of the bottle. You don't know where that's going. You squeeze that thing, and that could drip out. It could be empty. It might go left, right, up, down. It might hit you in the crotch with force. You have no way of knowing. You just hope for the best. You're like, hey, I've been told I'm supposed to wash my hands a lot, so here I am. But you have no idea where that's going. That might hit the wall to your left. You have no idea. And that's kind of how uh, the last 12 months have been. Very volatile and unpredictable, to say the least. So uh, that's it. We're all just riding the wave. So uh, I hope you're well and... uh, your crew are good. Um, things are interesting here in Halifax. The cases in Nova Scotia are pretty low. So uh, comedy clubs have opened back up. And I have not been on stage in a long, long time since well before Christmas. I have not done stand-up. And I really miss it. And uh, I want to get back back at it. And I might see if I can get some guest spots this coming weekend. And uh, get back up there and... Uh, try some new ideas and fumble through them and see if there's anything there. But I just have not been in that mode of stand-up over the last bunch of months just because, you know, I knew there was no um, no shows going on and, and uh, no venues open. So um, I know a lot of comedians have been doing Zoom shows and stuff, but I was just like, nah, I don't think I can do that. So I stayed away from those. Um, but uh, to get back in front of a live audience again and be able to do it safely would be very, very cool. So um, I may try and do that this weekend and I will have to gather my thoughts and uh, build some kind of set uh, to do that if I can get on. So I, I'm excited to do that. I want to get back. It always feels 
like your first time when you haven't been on stage for months. Um, it almost feels like it's your first time again back on stage. And then usually after that first set, you start to feel like, all right, I'm back in the, in the, the flow again. Um, but it still takes quite a while to find your rhythm. And especially if you're working out new material, that's kind of a grind, you know? So, but, uh, you got to start somewhere. So why not this weekend? So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you posted on that. Anyway, enough of my ramblings. Let me set up this episode. This is episode 74. Um, and my guest this week is Lori Kilmartin, who is a hilarious comedian uh, from California. And she's also a writer for Conan, uh, the Conan show with Conan O'Brien. And uh, she's been there for a number of years. And I met her briefly at Just for Laughs in Montreal a few years ago. Uh, we shared a shuttle to the airport and uh, got to talking about uh, about the biz and comedy. And uh, I bring that up during our talk here today. Um, yeah, I wanted to have her on for a while. We had to reschedule it because of my schedule and uh, finally got to have her on. And she's just very honest. And one of the um, really intriguing parts of this conversation is that she, she talks about losing her mom to COVID uh, last year. And... Um, it, uh, she was very honest about it and kind of, uh, uh, her relationship with her mother as well. And, and there's some, some really, really great stuff in there and, uh, kind of her relationship with comedy right now at the moment and what you do and how the writing for Conan has changed and her role at the show, uh, has changed. And so she gets into all of it. So, um, this is a really, really good chat and, uh, I think you'll get a lot from it. So sit back and enjoy my chat with Lori Kilmartin. Awesome. Joined by Lori Kilmartin today, who's probably in a place that has way better weather than I have. Look at this. I like the preening. I like the... <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> forgot to check. You forgot to check. I'm in, um, I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. So it's like uh, minus seven degrees Celsius, snow on the I ground. Love that. Yeah. Are you a winter person? Are you that person? No. I mean, I like being, uh, I've never, I don't live in winter that much, but, uh, I love the images on Twitter and, uh, <laughs> I'm happy for all of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to scrape the windshield on your car and you're, you know, you have to leave 15 minutes early because you know, it'll just be treacherous conditions to get wherever you are. I'm sick of that shit. Like I, when I go to California, California, I go, I get it. I get why people just walk out the door and start their day and don't have to change clothes. And now it's yeah. different boots and stuff. Like I'm done with it. I know in my late forties, I'm like, I just don't want to fucking do this stuff anymore. You know, but are you, are you from Halifax? Is that where you were raised? I'm from Newfoundland, just another province over like okay. a little Island off the coast there. So, uh, but I've lived here for kind of, we tape our show here. So I live here for six months of the year. Then I go back to Calgary, Alberta, which is out West. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so hard it's, to leave home, though. I mean, you're I, I'm from California, so it, this right. isn't like a, a shock to me or anything. But I mean, you know, it's understandable. You're you're I think you're used to what you're used to. And uh, if you can make a living and still keep one foot in your in your original weather location, maybe that's a good life. It fits. Yeah. You kind of you, what you're suited to is what you're suited to. Um, mm -hmm. So for you. You American, because as Canadians, we're just sitting outside watching America. Just it's like a show we watch every week, and we're just sitting there with chips. Like, what's happening down there? How are they survive? Who's with who? And what is the? Do you feel any difference right now? Like post election, does America to you in your day to day life feel any different than it was 
during Trump's time? Um, a little less, uh, so, uh, social media wise, a little less stressful, you know, and not because pe- the people would react to Trump so much on my feed. Like, I, it's like, oh, you know, you don't have to reply to him all the time. Okay. <laughs> Please. He's not reading it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a little bit gone, but, you know, there's lots to worry about, you know, the, you know, the Voting Rights Act was demolished and we might have the same problems again in 2022 that we had voting wise now. And so there's there's uh, lots to worry about. And I don't know if um, Biden has the stomach to to do it uh, or maybe it's Schumer. I mean, I was so appalled at what happened yesterday with them just deciding not to call witnesses when that became an option. I, I it's, they're like, well, McConnell won't let it. Hey, he's not in charge anymore. Yeah. He's not in charge. Be the dick that McConnell is. Ask yourself how McConnell would handle the situation and be that asshole. And if you can't be, then let Elizabeth Warren do it because I know she can. He would do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of weird because we, if you're like, I was thinking about the, the average American who goes to work every single day and, you know, you, you're struggling to get by and you watch these people in suits just stand up there and you're like, but who who's who's on my side? Like, you see, I almost see yeah. how Trump won because I go, he just blatantly just appealed to a certain demographic and said, I'm definitely going to help you. I hear you. And for all his bullshit and bluster, there was that connection with these people, even though it was yeah. all smoke and mirrors. But no one else seems to have done that. And I'm like, that's the lesson that's got to be learned going forward is like who's who's speaking to the average american who's like i'm struggling at walmart as a cashier i have two kids i'm trying to make ends meet here like who who gives a shit about that person i don't know if american you know, average americans can answer that question i don't know either i mean politician wise i i feel like there are some that that talked at like warren and aoc and cory bush and ilhan omar and uh ayana presley and like those folks do but they don't get heard as much, you know? Right. I, I mean, if you're, if, I don't know, if you're talking to someone who has no health insurance and is, it makes minimum or less than minimum wage at Walmart and a, a, a party has a plan or a part of the party has a plan that will appeal to that and they still vote for the guy that says Mexicans are rapists. It's like, maybe you don't want health insurance that bad. Maybe you'd rather just be excited to say that Mexicans are rapists. Maybe that's you. Like, it, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's a million think pieces out every single day trying to figure out Trump supporters. So I, I don't want to add to that. Who can They're, figure that out? Yeah. Who can figure that out? Um, yeah. So how are you coping with it all? I like to check in with people, um, people that I know and I don't know, and just ask them in general, how are you? How are you doing? And how uh, has this last period of time been? Well, um, you know, housebound, like everybody, um, I still have a job, so I'm really lucky. Like I still have income, so I don't have that 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 worry front and center. Um, I'm on. I work on Conan, and the show's ending in June, so that that worry's coming up. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I guess I'm right now. I'm just living day to day, not trying to think too much in the future. You know, um, the idea that. Um, Oh, oh, you have so much time to work on something like 
I don't know the the space that I that not being able to do stand up every night has created in my brain is not being filled with new ideas of creative things to do. It's being filled with anxiety and the fact that I'm not hardly talking to any anyone face to face, you know, except right. for my son and stuff. That it, uh, it's um, it's a tough it's it's tough it's a tough time, and I'm really lucky. I have a, a lot of conditions that are that are favorable, like having a job and having health insurance. Uh, and then my mom died of COVID in, right. in June. So, I mean, that that's a totally different thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to hear that, by the way. And I, I think as, as all things now, which I find the most, the most devastating news you read through a social media feed, you know, and I was following you on Twitter and I was watching this whole thing, um, you know, kind of unravel. And, uh, I thought at the time it was like, it was one of the first realizations I had. And I did know it was real before this. So it's not to say that I didn't think that, but it was like, oh, this, this is, these are real people. This is affecting people now that I might not know, but people I have a, in some connection with, you know? And so um, it, it felt really very real to me in that moment. And for you, I mean, I'm not saying you didn't take it seriously either, but like, how did you cope during that time? I mean, especially like with restrictions and, and what you can do and can't do, like, how did you, how did you get through that time? Well, my mom had been living with me. So, um, uh, you know, before that it was very crowded. It was like, you know, three generations, one bathroom. Uh, and, and, but at least I was at work all day and my son was at school all day. So we weren't all, all butting heads and stuff. So, so the initial part of quarantine was, you know, tough, a lot of arguments. And, and of course she was a Trump supporter. So it was, it, and then she got COVID and went away. It was like, oh, this isn't probably the way to go out, you know, in terms of like, you'd like to not have that many arguments with somebody before they, get the virus that they, their president brought into the country. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like she was unconscious. I couldn't even say, ha ha, I'm right. You know, like, <laughs> she, right. She, was, she immediately went unconscious. So, yeah. uh, so, so I think the afterwards has been sort of tough because it, it was, it's, I'm still in the house and I still hear the door open, but you know, like she opened it a certain way. And sometimes I hear that and it's like that, right. Oh, that was my son opening it and stuff. It, it, you know, I think that makes it a little tougher to have a, have an ending yep. time to that. Like yep. I really, when I can, when I'm all vaccinated, I just want to go someplace else, any place and just shake all this out of my head and then come back and be in this space with a fresh start. Yeah. Um, you know, we had like a zoom funeral and all that stuff. And, and she, uh, yeah, it, it, it I, cause my dad had a great death, <laughs> you know, with hospice, everyone visiting, you know, big yeah. funeral, all that kind of stuff. And then my mom just got this, you know, FaceTime unconscious bullshit. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. Different, yeah. different stuff. It is. Yeah. My, when my, um, my grandparents raised me and my grandmother passed away, I got a phone call one day saying she was gone and I, I wasn't in that city. I had to go back. This was like, you know, back 1997 basically. And, uh, the waves of grief, I find very interesting because you go back, there's all this family, <clears throat> you're seeing people you don't even know who are, you know, in the house now. And so you're dealing with all this kind of social stuff and anxiety 
but then everyone goes away and then you're kind of just left with like, okay, now it really sets in like this house is empty and she was the kind of focal point of the whole home and stuff. And so that first Christmas sucks. And the first, you know what I mean? Like the first of everything you go through, is just, it just is empty in every way. And I remember every year it got a little bit better, but I, I remember that too. Like, okay, this is going to be the worst of it. It's like, no, that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is when there are no one people, no more people bringing casseroles to your house and going, we're so sorry because you can bury yourself in all that social activity for a while right and then suddenly you're just left by yourself going through her clothes and you're like jesus christ like this uh i yeah i put all the clothes in a couple suitcases in the garage and i'll get to it i I figure on the anniversary of her death my sister can come down and we could figure out what we're going to keep if we're going to keep anything for keepsakes and then donate the rest but it's weird like my mom and dad were such a team that after my dad died that's when i went through all that stuff and my mom was such a like a shell of her of her former self after he died that it just it was depressing (laughs) you know like the real the real christmases left when my or ended when my dad died right and then it was just kind of this my mom just always wishing he was here and uh you know all of us and uh and not really enjoying any anything that much yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, it does make sense because it's like, I think about that all the time. And someone's been in your life like that for such a long period of time. And you do see yourself as a team to then wake up one day and that person is gone. It's like, how do you function? And that's why quite often people do pass shortly after a partner passes, because it's like, what is the motivation? You feel like you've lost a part of your body, I would imagine at some point, you know, so... Yeah. What sucked for her is like she was sort of they were kind of like brokish their entire marriage, like always worried, constantly coupons, sewing clothes, you know, always, you know, my dad, you know, uh, refinancing, you know, and all that stuff. And then um, he left her money with a life insurance policy he paid off in secret. He didn't tell her about it. She had no idea. So she has this wad of money she's never had in her life. And her brain is so like, it's going to be stolen. I can't spend it, but she never did anything. And, uh, like she always wanted to, she and my, my dad always promised to take her on a cruise and he, and he was like, I'll wait till I retire. And of course he didn't, he never retired. He just died. And, uh, and so I'm like, why don't you take your best friend on a cruise? You guys should go. You're, you know, go while you can. You're in your late 70s. You know, you could still do stuff. And she just, she, she couldn't wrap her head around enjoying this money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, it's funny because my grandparents being another generation, I guess, like worry was just like, if there wasn't something directly to worry about, they would forecast something else to worry about. Like, yeah. you know, if the furnace goes, I don't know how we're going to pay for that. I just, it's like, <laughs> is the there something wrong with fine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying there's something wrong with the furnace? No, it's fine. But if it does go, they're very expensive. And I'm like, why are we projecting? <laughs> it was like always looking down the road. And, and yeah. uh, I don't know if that's a generational thing or if that's, uh, and I don't know if our generation is like, we do we have that instilled worry of all, with COVID, of course, it's like, who knows because it's not even a real world anymore everything's changed but I'm like I I didn't come with that gear of what should I worry about today when I wake up and like make coffee and put my worry list down here on paper but I feel like that's how they were wired for sure but also I think if you're a comic you're so delusional like you're you don't have the normal worries that even (laughs) everyone else in your generation has you're like I'm gonna be famous and then (laughs) 
I don't have to worry about that stuff. I'll have a hundred furnaces. So it's no big deal, you yeah. know? And then uh, as, as that dream starts to not come true, you're like, Oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. I, I seem to have made a poor choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What a gamble. Yeah. This was, so. uh, someone should have told me about this before, but this, is, uh, <laughs> this has not been a good career choice at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right because I've talked to a lot of musicians on the podcast as well. And, I think the the parallel they have with comedians is that you don't always have it all figured out. You just know where the next gig is or what job you yeah. have till June, whatever. And you're like, I don't really know what goes on the rest of the year, but I just trust that I'll figure it out. And I realize that's an insane way to live. And when you tell a normal person that, anyone outside of comedy, you tell them that that's how you live. They're like, how do you how do you plan? How do you, yeah. do you know what you're going to do? I wouldn't be able to live like that. I'm like, I can't do it either, but I do. I just do. <laughs> I know. I bad at it as well. I don't know if you've noticed my surroundings. Yeah, it's weird. Like, um, you know, I remember it during the 2008 recession, just all these stories about people being let go and, and, uh, um, not being able to recover from that. Yeah. And I, and I remember thinking at least comics, like we're fired every week, basically. And you, you end that week, you never know if you're going to work there again, or if the booker liked you. And so you're always in this state of where, what's next, how can I make this person like me? And, and I don't know that that it's just a different mindset. And it, it was always so odd to me to read about people like completely devastated by being let go from one job. Like, yes. you, you know what I mean? It, yeah. And I, whatever, I don't know. Well, no, it's, and it's the same thing in TV. Like on our show, on 22 Minutes Here, it's kind of like Daily Show meets SNL, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of political stuff, but we, uh, I don't know. At the end of the season, it's like, well, maybe see you next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you don't know. So people think, oh, Trent, you've made it, or Laura, you're writing for, Con-. like, it's like, yeah, but yeah, that's still not any guarantee of anything. It's just, it's a guarantee of today. I don't know what's happening two months or next week like it doesn't matter what job you have and if you even have your own show the network can go ratings suck see you later so there's zero security in any of it you know it's yeah 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 i mean hopefully you save money but then you then that's that's a different type of brain that most comics have like i got that later in life but i'm still not great at it you know yeah uh but uh yeah i mean it's, it's hard to, it sucks to have to prepare to be elderly. That's why I feel like my, the next couple decades are, I'm just like, like, I don't want to be 85 and, you know, in a bad place. I want to be comfortable (laughs) when I'm 85, you know, I don't want to be living with my son unless, you know, he has a a palatial estate or something like, like my mom was, you know, she was ended in a tiny house with a daughter who was hostile towards her. And I, and I, and I want to go out better than that. That's why. Yeah. You want to write a new chapter here. Let's let's, let's break this cycle of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, My big wake up call was watching comedians that I thought were really great who were on the circuit and doing really well. And then you realize eventually it just drops them off. And yes. they've done everything by the rules. They did everything they were asked. And then one day no one books them anymore and they're pumping gas at a gas station with no savings. And that 
I was like, I don't have to make the mistakes myself to learn from them. I can walk around and go, that guy was super talented or she killed. Like, I remember her destroying. How is she yes. not a household name? And then you realize, like, no one cares. There is no system that's going, she's really put in her dues. Let's launch her to the next. It doesn't oh, exist. Right. right? right so right, right. That, that terrified me when I had that realization of like, oh, you have to make your own plan and figure your own shit out. No one's coming to save you. Yeah. And the, the notion that you could leave comedy and no one would notice for a about a year, yes. right? They would just think they hadn't run into you. And you'd be like, no, I sell cars now. Um, exactly. It's bad, okay? <laughs> it's not good. Uh, yeah, and, and also the, it's so hard to learn to kill that you, you it's, it's astonishing to me that people have that ability, which almost no one on earth has, but they, that doesn't translate to anything else. And they, they, they're helpless if yeah. they can't, if someone doesn't book them to kill. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know? Like if, um, yeah. It's like if you were an astronaut your whole life and one day the space program goes, we don't need you as an astronaut anymore. You just get, you're like the old man in Shawshank who gets pushed out of the prison <laughs> and he's just like, fucking, I, the world's changed and you have no employable skills to take with you to the next. Right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Gap in your resume is insane. So you just give people your opinion. We don't need that here. We don't. What, what, what do we need a person who just stands up and gives people their opinion all day? This I know. Is, this is an accounting office. Like you, have <laughs> nothing to give. It's like, oh, so it terrifies me. But I also try to use that as motivation to like. My ass needs to sit down and write some jokes then because all this can go away. So I try and use it in a positive way. It doesn't always work, but that's how I try and dance with that devil is like, okay, well, yeah. this can go away in a heartbeat. So what are you doing to maintain, you know, this, this life if I can, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, into cryptocurrency. I don't know why you're writing jokes. Uh, you're really wasting your time, Chance. Uh. <laughs> I've got it all wrong. I told you. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. I'm like, I gotta write that wow. down. Cryptocurrency. How, how naive. I had no idea. I was on with <laughs> such an amateur. <laughs> Lori Kilmartin's business minute, guys. We've got uh, <laughs> financial. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's just an insane thing, and I think we're all just doing our best to navigate it. Um, are you able to do spots right now or can can you are clubs open? What's the situation here in, in Nova Scotia? Two comedy clubs have opened. And so it's like oh. dis distance and all that stuff and reduced capacity. But you can actually get back on stage. And I I really miss it. Like I realized I haven't been on stage in quite a while, a number of months. And so I'm like, oh, man, I want to get back on. How are you with the whole your dance with stand up right now? Um, let me ask our, what does COVID, the really low COVID rates in Nova Scotia? I'm yeah, because they, okay. they don't, they don't mess around here. So for example, when I came to start the season here in September, you have to quarantine for two weeks when you enter the province, they actually call you every couple of days to make sure your ass is home. They give you a questionnaire yeah. and on our show, we have COVID testing a couple of times a week. Like it's pretty strict. And there's fines for people who break protocol here. So if you if you are found out and not quarantining, it's a thousand dollar fine. So as of right now, I think there's eight cases in the entire province. So it's pretty small. Yeah. So so now they've loosened restrictions and restaurants and bars and comedy clubs now are opening back up. So it's kind of a cool thing because I put it away for such a long time. Like who knows when that's coming back? Forget about it. Focus on the TV show. But now I'm like, oh shit, it's a real thing again. So. And is uh, are the comic the com the comics aren't masked, but are the is the audience then? I don't 
I haven't been in the club yet, but I do believe at restaurants right now, when you walk into a restaurant, you have to wear the mask, but then you can take it down and you can have your meal and your drinks and all that stuff. When you leave again, you must put on your mask to walk out the door or go to the restroom. You have to put your mask on. But right. so I would imagine that's how it's going to be at the comedy clubs as well. Somebody sent me an email. She had seen a, a stand-up show in Australia because they're they're pretty open. And but she said the, the audience was all masked, and she oh. and she said she thought it kind of messed with a comic's timing, which I can totally see because you yeah. you eyes aren't enough. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, you really can't. You need to see a whole face to see if something's working. Yeah, and. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, there are some psycho clubs that are open right now in um, in lunatic states like Florida and Texas. Uh, I would never I would never put myself in that situation. And um, in California, there are no clubs open uh, legally, at least. And so everyone's doing either outdoor shows or drive in shows uh, or Zoom shows. I have like two Zoom shows tonight. OK, you know? so I'm doing what I can. It's not the same as live performance. Cause even I've even done some outdoor shows and I'm so nervous for an outdoor show. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm like, this is what it felt like 30 years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's going to be, it's going to be a tough re-entry, however, however it goes. But, um, you know, you can, you can, I've written a lot of material and worked out material on zoom. And, um, I think it'll work in front of a regular crowd. You, yeah. you still, it's kind of hard to get gauge properly, but it's better than nothing. That's when I'm, that's why. I, and I, and I still feel if I do well on a zoom set, I still feel happy afterwards. Like you do after right. a regular set. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I do enjoy that feeling. I mean, I think I'm going to try and get to the new club this week and try and do some guest spots. And I'm just oh, like, my wow. God, I'm going through my notes and I'm like, man, have I, what have I written? Have I written anything about, and do people want to talk about this stuff or do they just like, no, don't talk about the, the C word, talk about anything else. And so I'm in that headspace now and I'm overthinking and I'm like, as always, it's like, just get up there, asshole. Yeah. Just get up there and try the stuff that you've written and then go from there. But you know how you can just over <laughs> overthink and play it out. In your yeah. Head. I mean, and they haven't been an audience for a long time either. They're just right. as rusty as you are. So uh, mm -hmm. that's <laughs> don't so, worry that's, about it. That's so true. It's like, yeah, look, guys, look, we're all new to this. This is, did someone cough? Yeah. Is that someone coughing? <laughs> I can't be here. Thanks for your time. I'm so immersed in the back. There's just, everyone's fleeing out the emergency <laughs> exits. <laughs> someone just swallowed their saliva wrong and suddenly the show is over. Thank you so much for coming out. We've got to get out of here. Um, the last time I saw you, we've met previously. I don't know if you remember. You probably don't. It was at Just for Laughs in Montreal. Oh, you okay. I, you and I shared a shuttle to the from the uh, Hyatt, I believe, to the airport. And I was talking to you at the time. I was like, oh, I just joined 22 Minutes. And, as you, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a writer for Conan. So we were just going back and forth. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was remember. like in 2018. Yeah, yeah. But 2018. Okay, all right, yeah, so yeah. so I'm remember. not making this yeah. up. You can verify this. Actually yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and at the time you were talking about, you know, as being a writer for Conan, how you felt like it really, really holds up in terms of processes of working on a show like that. Like it's not, it's not quite as grueling as some other shows in terms of how you, how you guys create your material. Like for us, our show is weekly. And so the process is, it's just lightning quick, but it is just for a weekly show. And so walk me through a day for you as a writer for, for Conan. What, what is the process of uh, getting things from like, you know, out of your head to now, this is a show, the show ends and then how you start it up again. Well, I mean, it's, you mean as how we do it now? I guess it's, yeah, it's different now, I guess, because you do most stuff through yeah. like just email submission and just, yeah. Well, Zoom I mean, meetings. we, yeah, we'll have a Zoom meeting, usually one a day, sometimes two. Right. Uh, 
you know, I'm myself and another writer, comic um, writer, uh, Brian Kiley, we're the monologue team and Conan doesn't do monologues now. So (laughs) for us, we've just been like this feel like I'd rather be cryptocurrency, get the cryptocurrency (laughs) out. Seriously, Dogecoin. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've been kept on, thankfully, and we're, you know, we contribute a little bit to sketch stuff, but it's not our forte. Right. Um, you know, we write jokes for our host to tell to a live audience. Right. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it, I, 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 I'd rather be stressed by the job I'm doing and not stressed by the job I'm not doing. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, there's, there's, there were days when all the news stories sucked and all of our jokes sucked and it'd be like, Oh, you know, I got to squeeze something out of this head of mine, yes. but I, I'd much rather have that kind of a day than just, you know, feeling superfluous. Uh, so yeah. uh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope he can have live, uh, like a live audience before our show goes off the air in June. Uh, And I think he will be able to, you know, and even if they're seated very far apart, because that's, it just makes all the difference, you know, I mean, and what we can write for him to say, but just for him to, no one wants to go out just looking into, you know, no, it's not fun. How it's is, not fun for a live performer, you know. <laughs> no, for sure. How how is SNL doing it? Like, how are they doing live audiences? Are they testing people? Are they paying people to come? Like, what's the what's? I the think deal? they're testing, and I think they're because from what I understand, New York has come up with a series of arcane laws that can be gotten around. Okay, which is just a stupid way to deal with a virus, right? But um, I think what SNL does is they hire the audience for the night as independent <laughs> right. contractors or something right. and do all the COVID testing and stuff. And that's that, you know, which is, it's like, it's encouraging people to cheat. If you, if you don't go, okay, we have live TV shows with audiences. How do we affect? No, let's treat them like they're a restaurant. No, they're right. not a restaurant and neither are comedy. Cl- you know, like let's yeah. make laws for our businesses. Let's look at what we we provide in terms of our economy and make laws for each one of those things or make rules or whatever. So uh, I think that's what SNL is doing. Right. Um, and so for you with the writing, cause I know a lot of comedians are like, they prefer to be on stage or rather perform than write. Um, which do you prefer? Does it matter? Do you, are you cool with like, no, I'm fine to write for other people and you get just as much satisfaction out of that. I know some comedians have realized that later in the game and said like, yeah, I don't really need the adrenaline of performing. I'm fine to just hand my stuff over to someone else. Like, where do you sit on that? Uh, uh, I need the adrenaline of yeah. performing, <laughs> but whatever I write for myself would never go on the show. So right. it's not like I'm giving away anything I would use, you know, right. uh, my act is really about my own life. And so that wouldn't work as a topical monologue joke. So it's, it's fine. Um, And also I, uh, I can't, I don't want to be a, a, a touring comic where that's my only, even before this, my source of income, because I'm raising a child and I'm single parent. So that's, I'm not going to homeschool him in hotels for 18 years. You know, it's not, it doesn't work with that life. So, um, so yeah, for me, it's great. It's a great mix. 
Um, it's a stressful mix. And I'm, and I, uh, I've had this downtime and being home every night has been unprecedented in my life. And ever since I was like 20, 21 or something. And, um, and even my son's life too, you know, cause I've always been popping out at night, you know? And, uh, so I'm now I'm here every night and, uh, <laughs> we watch a lot of anime together. And so I, I think in a way it's been kind of good for him, uh, in one way, cause, yes. uh, I'm not darting out all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Well, some yeah. comedian, some comedian said to me, it's like it's it's been nice to actually sit down and enjoy a full meal at home. You know, where you you don't have these days anymore, where it's like, what time is it? Six thirty, and you're like just shoveling food into your face like an animal yeah. because you've got to go to a spot across town yes. or whatever. Like so, but I'm like, is there an overload of that eventually where you go, okay, that's enough of this normal <laughs> normal one? Yeah, and, you know. And I uh, I'm at that point now. I'm like, I gotta get back on stage. If these things are open and safe, I'm like, oh yeah, if they're open I, and safe for sure. Yeah, because my fear is that I will just get comfortable doing the TV gig and I go, you know, you just get cushy and it's like money's good and it's like, I don't really need to go there and try my seven new minutes. I'm like, I don't want to be that person because I've seen <laughs> I've seen comedy chops go away from people who oh, are involved. Yeah. You know, you're like, that guy used to be really good. Well, what happened? Oh, he got a sitcom. He got a sitcom and now he's he's not been in front of a live audience on his own for four years. You know, and I'm like, I just don't want to be that guy. So and, and, and I think if you if you went out, uh, if you left comedy as a as a murderer right you, yeah. you're like oh i can kill any place you don't want to come back as some fragile little you know doe who can barely <laughs> walk on four legs right yeah, yeah yeah it's hard i understand why people just go it's no more i'm making a ton of money i'm still in comedy um that's good enough for me. Yeah. I don't need yeah. that walk that wire every night, which I think is the whole Eddie Murphy thing. Like when people talked about Eddie's going to come back, Eddie's going to come back. I'm like, it's not that easy. Like, especially when you have God. the legend of what oh, yeah. everyone believes he he did back in the day. You're going to live up to that. That means going to clubs every single night. That means like working at material. And when you finally go, hey, I've got a special that better be good. Like that's going to have to blow the doors off. And you know, so that's a tremendous amount of pressure to start creeping back into this game. I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Oh my God. No. I mean, plus you, he doesn't even get, you kind of, for, he, he'll get the you know the celebrity benefit of the doubt which is not a proper read on material no, right no. so you you still don't know is this a really is this a good bit or are they just excited to see me so right. you're not even getting that which sucks what what's really like bad now is most comics are just podcasting yeah. and there's no audience. So there's no, there's no group of people to go. No, sorry. That's no, that doesn't work. It's garbage. Yeah. That's, you're bad. Yeah. Uh, and so you're just get you're the, your only feedback is yourself or your hardcore fans that are already into you. Yep. And basically to be a good comic, you need to be able to go in front of lots of different groups of people, people that don't know who you are, people that weren't expecting you yep. and still, still make them uh, laugh and still, and still appeal to them. That that's to me like a, a good comic. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, you know, I would love to be Eddie Murphy in a lot of ways, but I wouldn't want to be in, in that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. Other comedic uh, comedian friend of mine, we were talking about um, terrible corporate shows, you know, where you get hired to do these. Yeah. Our bank wants to have some entertainment and you go into this horrible ballroom banquet room at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And as we described our scenarios, like both of us started sweating. Like both of us were like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I need you to shut up because it, it, 
it all came flooding back to me, the round banquet tables where oh, yeah. half the, the table is not even looking at you. They're just doing these over the shoulder to look oh, back. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, the chairs aren't comfortable, so they're turned this way, you know, and they're eating cake. You can't oh, like, laugh while you're eating uh, food that's on a fork. Like, no. Nachos, you have a shot at it, but no, not yeah. fork food. People are like, I and just, I remember thinking on stage, I gave up one night on stage. Like, I still mm-hmm. did my act, but I remember the moment when my head flicked and went, I just, I just don't care. I used to have that fight, you know, where I was like, no, yeah. I can get them. The next joke, I can get them. And no, I've been hired to do a job and this is a big event. And then one day on stage, somebody was on their phone or something and just did one of those where they looked back at me and I went, uh, I just, I just, I didn't say anything, but in mind, I just, that was it. I was dead. I died. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not doing these anymore. I'm not. Either I die inside or you die right now, sir. I'm going to pick the one that doesn't put me in jail. Well, it's also also those handcuffs, right, of a corporate event where you're like, you can't do what you do in a club normally. Like, if someone's doing that in the club, you'd like, I'm going to take the head off this person. But, like, I don't know who this guy is in the suit who might be signing the check. Grab their phone. Yeah. (laughs) Grab their phone and start going through their messages. Yes. And then you're like, oh, I can't do that in real life. Exactly. (laughs) So every instinct in my head is like, no, you can't. No, you don't just do the joke about the cat. And you're like, I don't want to do the joke about the cat. So I'm in this turmoil in my head. So um, did did you do those? When things were normal, did you do a lot of these corporate shows where you get hired? And like, Lori, we're a really fun group. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about Linda, who works in the, she's in HR. Linda comes in early every morning. So anyway, you can use that if you want. And you're you're like, I don't want to hear anything about the office. I just... Let me just go to, did you do those no, before? I, yeah, but I also like, uh, except I, I want to know if someone's had a tragedy that everyone's aware of, right? Yeah, that's true. So I won't go into any area if someone has some sort of loss of something, right? Yeah. But I, I, I kind of like popping into their lives and they tell me, I, I wouldn't mind finding out this woman's name is Linda. And then someone says, oh, she comes in early. And then it's like, well, who the fuck are you? And why are you tracking her? Like, I kind of <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I hate it when they give you too much information. Just tell me, tell me who has cancer and tell me yeah. whose child was kidnapped. So I don't accidentally talk to yeah, them. Yeah, because I have, that's my opener and closer. And- <laughs> <laughs> cancer kidnappings. You're famous for it. That's why they hired you. Please buy my DVD, guys. Cancer kidnappings. It's uh, <laughs> my new specials coming up. Um, I did one for a bank. I'll never forget. And I, I had this bit. I think I had a bit about a bank robbery or something. And the room literally, literally like that <laughs> air no. left the room. And in the in my mind, because it's Canada, and this was a small town, and I was like. Yeah. No, there's no way they... So anyway, I couldn't get them back. It died horribly. Afterwards, a guy comes up and goes, yeah, just unfortunate that you mentioned that. We were... We were robbed just last week. Uh, it was uh, pretty traumatic for everybody. Like, what are the oh chances? Small town, British Columbia. I'm like, what? Who oh walks into no. a bank in a small town? Anyway, I was like, oh, that explains. That explains why that job just... And then the show was just unsalvageable. It was like, I should just go now, I guess, and leave. Yeah, there was one show I remember, if I'm remembering this right. So that it, it was a, a child, it was a benefit for a group. And uh, it, it was off a child who had been kidnapped and murdered, right? And this is a stand-up show. Well, and yeah. um, 
And uh, of course, you don't like you when you well, also when you prepare for corporate gigs, you're like, all right, no abortion jokes, no take out the swear words, fine. Yeah. Then you th- you you don't pour over every word of every joke, right? Right. It's one of those things where you're in the middle of the setup. You're like, yeah. oh no! <laughs> and you're trying to back up. You're like, oh, okay, no, I can't oh, say. Oh no! That. Wait, am I bitching about parenting when? There's the parents of a dead child in the audience. What am I doing? No. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you've already started down the road and you're like, what do I, how do I, I can't avoid, do I finish the joke? Do I just let it stop and start up? Dairy Queen's got a goose Sunday. Like you're just, I don't know where to go. And, uh, oh, I've been there. I've been there. I'm getting anxious talking about these. I'm literally (laughs) feeling my body like tighten. I did. I used to have a joke that uh, about my my then boyfriend about how he loved guns, right? And uh, he didn't have one, but he was he was Russian, so he he whatever. Okay, so uh, and I I was in Tucson. I was working at Tucson the day that Gabby Giffords, who was one of our uh, oh, right. House of Representatives, was shot in the head, and a couple other people were shot, um, including a girl, like a young girl, and. Um, like during the day, like around 10 or 11 in the morning. Right. And that, and that night I, there were two sold out shows. Oh and uh, I, I was like, I was like, is anyone going to come? This is like a huge tragedy. And it was sold out. I was like, this is so bad. You guys shouldn't be here. Right. No one should be here. Something awful happened in this town. Right. Um, and then I started then on autopilot, I go into that joke and I'm like, Oh no. Right. Guess what? They loved it. Right? You it's can't predict. Sad. They loved their guns. They were like, yeah. Did he say, did she say gun? She had gun in the joke? We love yeah. it. Amazing. Booker. She's on our side. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I swear. I'm going to drop that joke. It's being mis- misunderstood. <laughs> I'm not one of you. I'm really not. Yeah. She's one of her own. Like you were born and bred here in Tucson. <laughs> no, I don't want to be born and bred in Tucson. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's just those things that you, I realized when I was in the groove and before well, I guess about five years ago before I joined the show or whatever, I was like, I was doing a ton of those corporates. I was on, you know, on stage like four or five nights a week. I was doing lots of spots and you, you develop a level of sharpness and also a level of confidence of like, it won't matter what crowd it is. I'll figure it out. Whether that's right. the, the corporate show, yes. the drunk late night show, you're just like, yeah, I've seen it all. But if you don't continue to do that, that confidence goes away and that edge yeah. goes away. And that's what I'm really worried about now is like, okay, I've got to go back and reestablish and start that up. And our show wraps up in mid-March so all that have all the time in the world to just get back on stage and write jokes in a day and just try them again so but I want to get back into that habit again ah oh, so cool yeah it's it's um the the time you're in in your little square on stage that that it takes so much time to get comfortable being yourself there like you spend the first couple years just freaked out and then at some point things click and you're like I'm as at home here in front of these strangers as I am on my couch. And um, that's when you can start, you know, really uh, relaxing and going, it doesn't matter where the crowd is because I'm super comfortable, you know, but that, that takes a really long time. It takes a ton of stage time. It's weird, but somebody emailed me, they wanted me to talk to somebody who wants to be a comic. And I'm like, 
are you insane? There's no stand-up right now. Yeah. And when, if it does come back, you're competing with all of us who haven't been on stage. And you think we're going to let you get on stage? I'll fucking (laughs) claw your eyes out before I let you take my set. You know? Rabid dog. We're all rusty. Yeah. (laughs) That's so true. What a time to walk into this. I I think I have something to say. Out of the way, kid. People are going to cut your head off. Um, Get on TikTok. That's, that's That's how you start now. Why are you starting on stage like an old person? I know. Start on TikTok. That's your circuit now. It's just going TikTok and putting new videos up. And it's like, I've, you know, they'll probably make more money at the end of the day. It's probably going to transfer into something, you know, some monetary gain at some point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if you read on Twitter some week that a comic in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, walked into the harbor, just know that you spoke to that person earlier this week and you know how it is. Um, so you've done something that I have not been yet disciplined enough to do. You have written books. And I've often thought about, and I've actually made a deadline. I'm going to say this on the podcast because this will make me accountable. I am going to try and write one this spring, summer. Like I'm going to sit my ass down, put a couple hours in every single day and make this, uh, make this a job. Uh, for yourself, when did you get the idea for the books? How did they come about? Um, and tell me about, tell me about the process of making them. Was it, was it a, an easy process for you or was this like, my God, this is work like walk me through it. What I'm doing, I'm trying to write a novel, which I have never done before. And that is agony. And it's exactly what you described. Um, It's awful. The other two were, um, one of them is called Shitty Mom. And I was hired by the three women who thought of the title to write the book (laughs) because they were comedy writers. Um, So that's how that came about. And it was... so it was sort of their idea. And I, and I, uh, I sort of wrote the book based on the title. Um, and then I wrote another book called dead people suck. And that, that was, I just pitched that to the publisher of shitty mom as as shitty mom of grief. And so it's, it's a, it's, it's very comedy. It's kind of like a, stand-up comedy on paper, but it's a little, uh, there's a little more, you know, uh, uh, there's not a punchline every single sentence, right? right? It's a little, there's a little more um, honesty in it and stuff like that. And not having to, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't have to exist in a nightclub, you know, it's someone's holding it. So you can, you know, branch out a little bit. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so those are the two books I've written and um, they were, it was, it was almost like writing just little comedy essays. I mean, that's what they are. They're small, you know, five to 800 word essays that just make up a book and they're, you know, kind of niche books and a niche category or, you know, uh, like if you look under grief, my book's under grief, right? It's one of those things where, okay. But, but trying to write this novel is uh, like, what the, this is beyond me. I need to go to, do I have to go to graduate school or something? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard. The, The thing is, is, is the one thing that you and I and other people have that a lot of writers that are great writers don't have is they're not funny. Right. You know, and it's so hard to write funny really well that if you can do it, even if you aren't, 
you know, the greatest uh, sentence constructor on earth. Maybe someone else can, you know, jump in and editor can kind of help you a little bit or maybe shape it a little bit, but it's really, really hard to be funny and um, we're used to it. So you think, Oh, that's, that's just the way things are. But most, most people aren't. And most people want, that's why those three women hired me because they tried because they'd written other books before, you know? So, so having that eye that is, is very unique actually. And so even if you're having struggling and you're, and you look at these other writers that are just shooting out books, you know, they're, but they're not funny. So a funny book is, is gold and they're, they're so rare. It takes, yeah, it takes time. I know um, I was talking to a musician on the podcast and I talked about how I used to hate barriers and deadlines because I felt like I'm an artist and I, when I, the muse shows up, I, then I get to, but then you, you know, you work in TV and you work in other jobs and you realize like, no, I need that shit by tomorrow at nine. And I don't care <laughs> if you feel like you're in the mood or you have a good idea. It's like just producing stuff every day. And um, I would imagine writing a book, you would utilize a lot of those same skills and that same discipline of like, I don't really care if you're in the mood. You did not clearly. You were like, when I'm in the mood, I will do it. It's my book. God damn it. For those two. Yes. Because I had a contract and I was paid, I was paid uh, up front, you know, I was, or, you know, part of the, part of the, uh, I'm I'm forgetting words. I don't know words. You've been inside for far too long. Another, another problem with writing a novel is I don't know words. You were given an advance. Um, An advance was Yes, an advance. Oh my God. You did it. Two of us figured it out together. (laughs) Well, and it's such a highfalutin, inaccessible word, advance. Who knows that word off the top of their head? No comedy clubs paying the advance. (laughs) So I did have money that I would have to give back. So, and um, I had also had a very tight schedule. So uh, that actually really helps. The openness of all this is really hard as well. Like um, if I, I I have a son, I have a stand up set that night. So the only time I can write is between six 30 and 8 AM today. I'll, okay, that's what I'll do. It's a for a short amount of time. That really did help. But now it's sort of like, you know, no one needs this novel. No one needs it. No one's clamoring for it. It's just my idea that I keep thinking, if I don't write it, it it's never going to get done. And it's just an idea that's cool that dies in my head. And, uh, you know, uh, I, right now I'm making an okay living, so I don't have to write this novel. And and right. novels don't make money. So why, you know, like, <laughs> it's a bad idea of, on every level. You're talking yourself out of writing this book. I know. I know. <laughs> no one wants to read this book. Nobody cares about it. I haven't Nobody had reads, it bits. <laughs> yes. People only read tweets. Why would I read write a book? Oh, <laughs> uh, isn't so, that the nature though of like every artistic endeavor? Is like that initial momentum and excitement about I'm gonna do this thing, and you get your pencils and your pens and you get a water bottle and set up your workspace, and in day two, all that's out the window, and you're like, I just want to go and walk to a park. I don't want to be sitting here writing this shit. Like you just it's amazing that dance we always do with it. Oh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's walking into the unknown. Like when I pitched the book to this this guy who's now my book agent, he was like, I love that idea. I love yeah. it. And I was like, cool. Like it felt done. Yeah, yeah. That's done. <laughs> he likes it. That's good. <laughs> but what else let's is going talk, on? Let's talk covers. And he's like, well, yeah. Uh, he goes, ah, 60, 70,000 words. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, you want me to write uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, 
it's hard. It is. But I just keep remembering it's funny and people can't write funny. And I'm one of the what one of not many who can like, right. you know, and so I should be doing this because people need comedy. Yeah, that's true. It's true. You, you, you'd be helping the world by putting some more humor out there. In these. But here's the thing. I don't want to help the world. Fuck this world. <laughs> Is that the title? The running title? <laughs> Fuck this Fuck world. This world yeah. By Lori Kilmartin. It's like, I wow, that's be. a very optimistic book there, Lori. But no, uh. fuck this world. <laughs> fuck you if you don't buy it. Yes. Angry the whole time. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard of Liz Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love and, and all. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's got some great stuff about creativity. And she's got a book called Big Magic, which talks uh-huh. about creative endeavor. It's really cool if you're into that kind of stuff. And uh, one of the things she mentioned was that she really believes like ideas are kind of just out there in the universe bouncing around. And, and a lot of musicians feel this way, too. And it's just our job to like hook the idea because if we don't hook it, someone else is going to hook it. And so she talks about this concept she had for a book, a novel that she had that was very niche. Like it wasn't something that everybody was writing about. And she met another author about a year later who basically was saying she was working on a novel that was almost exactly the same in terms of the time period, that the location. She was just like, what the fuck? And she goes wow. like, it's just further proof. She believes that these ideas are out there and they knock on your door. And if you don't open the door and let that novel in, the novel goes to some else and she's like okay i gotta get shit down like i get if i if i wait it's gonna go to somebody else and i think i don't know because a lot of times musicians say they've heard a song and they went i was supposed to write that song that's Uh, that's what we do you know and so i don't know i don't know if that's gonna happen you've you've heard that with bits too oh yeah 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 wait a minute that's right up my alley oh it's crazy not that i've written it it's like that's my voice and that's my concern what are you doing with that it's crazy and that's (laughs) why i feel yeah exactly that's what i feel like with stand-up it's a race to get to the stage because if you have an idea you're like if I sit on this thing I swear to God I'm going to turn on Twitter or something and someone's going to here's the 30 second clip of me doing it and I'm like that's what I literally just thought of that in the shower two days ago but I hadn't had a chance to get to I always feel there's that race yes that's the the good thing about having a parent die of COVID in June is I had all the premises to myself right I was like the only stand up with a a COVID dead parent. Right. Um, so I got a lot of it. Yeah, Sorry yeah. guys. Yeah. Taken. Thank you. Yeah. Next. Yeah. <laughs> if your no. mom waited till uh, the December rush too late. <laughs> too late. Already Those on jokes that. are recorded in time stamps. Hack. That's <laughs> hack. I already got a special out. All right. It's called <laughs> Fuck This World. I've got a book with it called Fuck This World. It's a two thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated with creative process for people because I feel like I'm always trying to learn from other people's creative process. And for me, with stand up, I was very just long form, handwrite everything out. And then I kind of switched to more kind of think it out in my head a little bit and just do bullet points, you know, and then take it on stage. And then you're leaving room to play for you with stand up. What's your what's your process? Um, I just kind of go over it before my set and then, then hopefully come up with a few ideas. Uh, I, you know, right before I was, I was waiting for this, I had like a half hour of time. And so I listened to a zoom set, listened to half of a zoom set that I was like, Oh, you know, just came up with little tweaks and was like, I should do this all the time. Which is like the story of my career of, Oh, like if I was just as productive all the time, um, 
But you so listen my, back to it, which is great. Like a lot of times I've recorded I stuff. I hardly ever never do. Listen to it. I have right. hundreds I have not listened to. There's yeah. probably hundreds of tags that would take my career to another level. Right. <laughs> and they're just sitting on my iPhone in voice memos. But um, yeah, I mean, I in the shower or swimming or something, I, I, I think of things, but, you know, kind of, I don't think that's too unusual. I think probably everyone does when they're yeah. showering, especially, especially, I don't know why, but I think statistically, like that scientifically or something, the shower, yeah helps uh, your brain uh, loosen a few things up. And then uh, mostly uh, while I'm waiting to go on stage. That's why I don't love going first because I like to get the rhythm of a show in my head. It's yeah. almost like, you know, just hearing some background beats while I'm trying to figure out what to say. And uh, oh, this joke's weak and I need to, you know, tighten this one up a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I write in series of tweaks. Uh, I don't, you know, write in big chunks. It's all very slow. Yeah, I've tried to do it that way where I've had a full chunk and I just got into a, a, a mode of like, oh, okay, this whole thing. And I realized like, there's no way I'm going to remember all that on stage. It's impossible. I just wrote it today. Now I'm trying to memorize this whole thing. That's like, you know, four paragraphs. I'm like, it's going to be a speech. It's going to be a man up there trying to remember a speech and it's going to come across that way to the audience. So now I'm like, don't put the pressure on yourself to to do the novel up there. Just, just can you get out the setup, punch, a couple tags? Yeah. Good. And then the next set, you're trying to add on to that. But I've made the mistake of trying to take the whole thing up there. This is a finished piece I've prepared, you know. Well, also, sometimes you don't know what's funny about it yet. No. You know, yeah. like you, you kind of have an idea, but the audience will tell you like you're going to get a laugh on something. And you're like, oh, oh, that's the road I should be headed down on that on that particular angle. Interesting. I didn't. That wouldn't have been my first thought, you know, because yeah. you, you as a comic can get away with certain jokes, um, specifically you that other comics can't get away with. Yeah. And, you know, you, you sometimes you don't know what your persona is. The audience actually knows it better than you do. I mean, even if they've never seen you, they know because you have you have crafted it and you've honed it. And so when you're when you're in your element telling the joke exactly the way you should be telling it, it's going to kill. And if you're telling it, that's not a way that's not you. It's not going to work that well. And and the audience not, you know, uh, subconsciously is going to be pushing you. No, no, no. Go. Do it the way you do it, you know, and without let you know when it starts working consistently. So, uh, you know, it's it's weird how they help you figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so true. You just you walking up there with a skeleton basically and go, okay, this they'll they'll move the legs for me and they'll move the hands and they'll you know they'll let me know what's going to be right. I had to do a better job of that as well of recording sets and actually watching or listening afterwards going, okay, I'm, I'm yeah. mumbling there or I'm, you know, it's just small little tweaks over time that you realize can totally improve, totally improve a bit and, and allow room to add things on. And I love building stuff like that. Like I started with very little and now look at this. It's now 10 minute piece that you have about, you know, whatever it is. I, I love building that. I've always loved that since I started. Yeah. It's the comedian's uh, lament, right? It's like, yeah. I wish I listened to my sets more (laughs) it's it's all it's all of us but i remember when i first started i couldn't wait to watch me i couldn't (laughs) wait (laughs) i'm like i have a vhs tape of me at uh hermosa beach comedy i remember hermosa beach comedy magic club yeah i finished the set and they gave me a fucking dvd and i went what and i went (laughs) 
do I owe you money for this? And it's like, no. And by the way, your car is on the roof. And I'm like, what the? So it was just insane. <laughs> so I get, you know, and, and then I'm like, look at me. I'm on stage. And now it's like, if I'm on television or whatever, I can't watch me on television right. or whatever. You know, it's just, I don't know. I think that's as you get older, you're just like, no, I just see how that bit now is way longer and it's way better. And that was taped six months ago. And just I know. beating the shit out of yourself about it. I am supposed to be listening to sets for a a CD uh, and I taped it in 2019, November, 2019. And I, you know, it's, uh, there's a couple of chunks that I figured out like a couple extra tags that make, uh, make it perfect. Exactly. In, in the beginning of 2020 before everything shut down. And now I just, I'm like, this is filth. I can't release it. This is. <laughs> no, it's horrible. I'll never perform in front of a crowd that tightly packed again, you know, at least not for 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's hard. It's the worst thing. And that's why I feel like you almost have to make something and then hand it off to someone else to go launch it because we will hold on to it forever and go, no, that thing is better now. And I've added a chunk. And they're like, look, just give me whatever it is. And now go, go write something else. But I'm going to go take this and put it out in the world for you because we, we hold on to shit forever. I, I don't ever feel it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the, they'll pick the oh, version yeah. of a joke that doesn't, it's like, no, I had a better version on another show. Didn't you listen? Didn't you make notes on all five shows I gave you? <laughs> I know. Pick that one. I, That's the, I'm not even oh, looking at the camera when I do the punchline on that one. Really? I fucking swallowed the punchline. You picked that one. I swallowed the word. You can't understand me. <laughs> It's the worst. I used to stress mm-hmm. about festival sets. So like JFL and Montreal, I'd be like working yeah. that set for months, you know, trying yeah. to get it ironed out. And it's like at the end of the day, I'm like, I would never do this with anything else. I would literally like I'd have my stuff. I'd be figuring it out. But I'm like, I'm not overthinking it. But like you squeeze it so tight because this is it's a gala festival. It's going to be a t-. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But that's not my normal preparation for a show I care about. I, I would never prepare that much. It's almost like you can be over prepared at times. I don't know if you felt that way, but yeah, it's like you're I don't know. I, yeah, like for late night sets, it's it's uh, those tend to live on forever, right? You know. Yeah. So, like the last one I did on Conan was in 2017, but it might be the best one I've ever had. But I I I went to New York for like two weeks beforehand, and we were on hiatus those two weeks. So I just did like as many spots as I could, and hammered it out, and. Yep. I, I always like feeling in situations like that for gala or any sort of late night set. Like I did everything possible. Right. So that when my name is announced, I walk out. I don't, I don't feel like, Oh, I'm not prepared. I feel like there's nothing else I could have done. Right. So this set is in the hands of the gods and the crowd and all these conditions I can't control because the few, the one condition I control of how many times I, I, how hard I prepare for the set I did. And right. everything else is is out of my control. And that that relaxes me a lot. Yeah, it gives you confidence, I'm sure, that you've done the work prior. So yes. it's like, let's just step into it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse than being up there going, oh shit, I should have I should have had a few more sets before I put that polar yeah. bear line in there. Oh, ah! Son of ah! <laughs> just, I should have thought about this prior. Um, yeah. No, I, I think work ethic too in stand-up. Because my I before I'd done stand-up, I'd watched the doc comedian, you know, Seinfeld's comedian. And so oh, yeah. I didn't know any stand-up comedians. I wasn't around it. So to me, that movie was huge because I was like, oh, they they just go up with thoughts and see if it works. And sometimes it doesn't. I'm like, 
well, shit, I can do that. I can go up with stuff I don't know works or not. But yeah. it was the first time I had the curtain pull back on the actual process yeah. of being a comedian. And so what was your introduction into stand-up? Like, where did you, how did you get into it in the first place? Uh, San Francisco. And yeah. uh, I had a similar thing where I thought that, uh, you know, like people starting comedy now are so much more educated about what stand-up is. It's yeah. crazy. So like when access. I started, yeah. And, and I was like, how, how do they do that every night? Like I didn't know it was the same hour every night. Right. So, and I think this one time I saw a headliner like a second time and I was like, what? Wait, you fucking did that last night. And I, <laughs> then I was like, Oh, like I didn't even understand that that process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was, I mean, a great relief who, who, who wants to come up with an hour every night yeah. that killed, like, you're like, Oh, I can't do that. That's, yeah. that's not doable, but yeah. it is doable when you realize it's, it's the same hour pretty much. And yeah, yeah. you have, you have 10 years to hone it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I got that. Yeah. 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 Polish it. But now, like, cause I've talked to other comics about this too. Like now this pressure of, well, before the world changed, obviously uh, this pressure of like a new hour every year, a new hour every year, got to put a new special out. I'm like, I don't know if that's helped comedians and I don't know financially may it, it may have, but I don't know if it's helped the art of comedy where it's like, because to me, I won't name anybody, but it feels like the quality has definitely yes. dwindled because you're like, yeah, you can't, you've not, you've not had enough time to work out those bits. It takes time. And you're going to put another one out next year, another one after year after that. It's like, and you made two movies in between, like, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Like, where does the quality suffer? And it's like, I think the stand up at the you end of the day a, suffers. Yeah, yeah. You got to live, you know, yeah. you're not going to have an hour's worth of life in a year. That's worth telling people about. And, uh, the, the other thing, like when you, you like listen to sets, like for three, from three years ago or something, stuff, something that's not in an album, but you're like, Oh yeah, that chunk, like there's chunks you work for like six months. And then you're like, eh, you know, this, I don't care about this that much. I can drop it. It doesn't work that great. Or, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think if you're doing an hour every year, you got to put in everything that gets a laugh. Like yeah. you can't take anything out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And some of that stuff you probably don't want, you know, it's, it's yeah. not good enough to go and, and um, you know, uh, just give it a rest, take a well, rest. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I wonder about. Like for you and I talk about zoom sets or zoom, like recordings of sets. It's willing to regret some of the stuff you've done there. But imagine you've put a special out now. You've put one out every single year. And now you're watching that. And that's been put out to the world. And you're like, oh, my God, I didn't. I did, I've only done that bit 10 times. And suddenly it's on this special. You know, I feel yeah. like I don't know yeah. if you can live with that at the end of the day. I, financially, I get it. You've maybe signed you know, a deal for X amount of specials. But I just I don't know if it helps you at the end of the day. Because it, does it increase people wanting to come see you? Or do they go, yeah, I saw the last one. It was, you know, I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 those people seem to be doing pretty well financially, Yeah, but uh, it's, it's not a way I want to live. I don't, I don't want to be desperately collecting every laugh and adding it to a set list just because I have to fill out an hour by February of next year or something, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, I so I want to create for sure. I get it. All right. Well, clue, clue this up. Uh, what's up next for you? What's going on? What's going on in Lori Kilmartin world other than your book? <laughs> The fuck the world or whatever it's called. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a little open. I mean, Conan's going to have a show on HBO. Oh, um, awesome. But awesome. we don't know if we're all going to be taken. I might not be taken. So I may be, you know, uh, untethered starting nice. July. 
So we'll see. I have no idea. Um, uh, and, and I don't know that clubs will be open full force for a long time, you know, and it's weird. Like somebody, there's a club, um, that I've worked before and, you know, they're open in a very limited way. They're in a different state and they offered a friend of mine, um, you know, a weekend and it, it was less than half of normal headliner pay, right. which is like, like, I understand you you have one third of the audience. Less who's who's going to make a living like this? I know. I know. Like the, this person would have had to fly out there. Like by the time you start deducting, it's like, this is feature money from 2000, from 1995. Like, yeah. so I, I don't even know what a living's going to be like for a stand up. Yeah. You know? The business model has completely changed. Yeah, I totally agree. And even for yeah. folks who are doing the bigger venues, like, you know, you're doing theaters, it's like, well, if the theater can only sell one third of the tickets, what does that business model look like? It's just. Theater's a giant thing. If they, they, it, it, it takes more, it costs more to open a theater for a night, right. you know? Yep. That's why you're going to have a lot of, like, Roy, Roy Woods Jr. wrote a great thread about how the business is going to change, like, in March of last year. But you're going to have, uh, theater comics, you know, um, go to clubs and they are already, I mean, Brian Regan's working on a lot of clubs yep. and, um, and taking those weeks, uh, uh, because, uh, it's, it's easier to at least fill a comedy club than a, a theater like that, you know? Yeah. And the room is, is the room is flexible, you know, in terms of seating and putting tables yeah. in certain places, a fixed seat theater. It's like, you can't move those seats. Like that is what it right. is. So you're right. It, it's the logistics of it all. So the whole business model, I think you're right. is just thrown in the, <sighs> in the dryer right now. We have no idea how it's going to pan out, but yeah. um, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, thank you so much for your time today. All the best with Conan this season. Thank you. And, Me um, too. That book, you're going to get it finished, okay? You're going to get it done. <laughs> it's going to happen. Let's make a pact. Let's we do it. Check in on, check I'm in check with in. each other like I'm once check, a month. I'm going to check in with you next month, and I want to see the final page of that book. I want to see the end written somewhere on that page. <laughs> and go, she what did I'll it. Call it. I'll call it the end. <laughs> and then uh, exactly. I'm already done. <laughs> it's done. Perfect. Thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it, Laura. Thanks so much. Great to talk to you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.